go loopy loo. Here we go loopy light. Here we go loopy loo. All on a Saturday night. Hello, this is Luby with Luby's Lullabies podcast. I'm here today to talk to you about my latest book that I've read by an author. I have read a few of her other books. I'll talk to you about those as well. Um, But the book uh, that I want to discuss is called Miss Benson's Beetle and it's by Rachel Joyce. Let me tell you a little bit of the synopsis of the book and a little bit about the author and then I'll go from there. So this is set in 1950. In a devastating moment of clarity, Marjorie Benson abandons her dead-end job and advertises for an assistant to accompany her on an expedition. She's going to travel to the other side of the world to search for a beetle that may or may not exist. Enid Pretty, in her unlikely pink travel suit, is not the companion Marjorie had in mind, and yet together they will be drawn into an adventure that will exceed every expectation. They will risk everything, break all the rules, and at the top of a red mountain, discover their best selves. This is great. It's a great novel. It was funny. It was poignant. It was all about second chances and heartfelt friendships and emotional courage. And it's just very, very unusual. It's beautifully written. A lot of fun. Um, If you can stretch the imagination to go along with it, uh, I think you'd enjoy the book. Let me tell you a little bit about the author. Um, She is Rachel Joyce, as I said. She's the author of the Sunday Times and international bestsellers, The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry, which I did read. Perfect, I read that as well. The Love Song of Miss Queenie Hennessy. The Music Shop, which I read, and a collection of interlinked short stories. Her books have been translated into 36 languages and two are in development for film. The unlikely pilgrimage of Harold Fry was shortlisted for the Commonwealth Book Prize and longlisted for the Man Booker Prize. Rachel has been awarded several other awards and shortlisted for the UK Author of the Year. She lives with her husband, Paul, and family near Stroud. That's in the UK. So an English author, very English um, writing, and you can get the theme and the sense of the scenery in a lot of the Uh, chapters and the verse, particularly in this book, um, where she is talking about life in England in the 1950s, which probably was um, not so comfortable just after the war, lots of rationing going on, uh, things not able to, apart from being able to be bought, it was a very tight time for economy, etc, etc. So she captures all of this. And of course, there's a huge contrast when she goes off on this expedition. And it's very amusing. And it's also sad in a lot of places. So It will take you on a journey through the book that I appreciated going on. It was a great story. And let me just read you the first chapter, which is called The Golden Beetle of New Caledonia, 1914. When Marjorie was 10, she fell in love with a beetle. It was a bright summer's day and all the windows of the rectory were open. She had an idea about sailing her wooden animals across the floor, two by two, but the set had belonged to her brothers once, and more of them were either coloured in or broken. Some were even missing altogether. She was wondering if in the circumstances you could pair a three-legged camel and a bird with spots when her father came out of his study. "'Do you have, do you have a moment, old girl?' he said. "'There's something I want to show you.' So she put down the camel and the bird, and she followed him. She would have stood on her head if he'd asked. 
Her father went to his desk. He stood there, nodding and smiling. She could tell he didn't have a proper reason for calling her. He just wanted her to be with him for a while. Since her four brothers had left for war, he often called her. Or she'd find him loitering at the foot of the stairs, searching for something without seeming to know what it was. His eyes were on the in the kindest of the world, and the bald top on his head gave him a naked look, like an egg. I think I might have something that, that could interest you, old girl, he said. Nothing much, but maybe you will like it. At this point, he would normally produce something he'd found in the garden, but instead he opened a book called Incredible Creatures. It looked important, like the Bible or an encyclopedia, and there was a general smell of old things that could well have been him. Marjorie stood at his side, trying hard not to fidget. The first page was a painted illustration of a man. He had a normal face and, a norm and normal arms, but where his legs should have been, a green mermaid tail. She was amazed. The next picture was just as strange. A squirrel, like the one in the garden, but this had wings, and it went on, page after page, one incredible creature after another. Well, well, look, her father kept saying. Well, now, goodness me, look at this chap, Marjorie. Are they real? They might be. Are they in a zoo? Oh, no, dear heart. If these creatures live, they have not been found. There are people who believe they exist, but they haven't caught them yet, so they can't prove it. She had no idea what he was talking about until that moment she had assumed everything in the world was already found. It had never occurred to her that things might happen in reverse, that you could see a picture of something in a book that you could, as good imagine, and then go off and look. Her father showed her the Himalayan yeti, the Loch Ness monster, the Patagonian giant sloth. There was the Irish elk with antlers as big as wings, the South African quagga, which started as a zebra until it ran out of stripes and became a horse, the great orc, the lion-tailed monkey, the Queensland tiger, so many incredible creatures in the world and nobody had found a single one of them. Do you think they're real, she said. Her father nodded. I have begun to feel comforted, he said, by the thought of all we do not know, which is nearly everything. With that upside-down piece of wisdom, he turned another page. Ah! He pointed at a speck. A beetle. Well, how nothing this was, how small and ordinary. She couldn't see what it was doing in a book of incredible creatures, never mind whether it had not been found. It was the sort of thing she would tread on and not notice. He told her the head of the beetle was called the head, the middle was the thorax, and the bottom half was the abdomen. Beetles had two pairs of wings. Did she know that? One delicate set that did the actual flying and another hardened pair to protect the first. There were more kinds of beetle on God's earth than any species, any other species, and there were each in the unique in remarkable, remarkable ways. It looks a bit plain, she said. Marjorie had heard her aunts call her plain. Not her brothers, though. They were handsome as horses. Ah, but look... He turned to the next page, and her insides gave a lurch. Here the beetle was again, magnified about twenty times, and she'd been wrong. She'd been so wrong, she could hardly believe her eyes. Close up, that small plain thing was not plain, not one bit, oval in shape and gold all over. It was incandescent, gold head, gold thorax, gold abdomen. Even its tiny legs were gold, as if nature had taken a bit of jewellery and made an insect instead. 
it was infinitely more glorious than a man with a tail. The golden beetle of New Caledonia, said her father. Imagine how it would be to find this one and bring it home. Before she could ask more, there was a ring on the outside bell, and he eased himself to his feet. He closed the door gently behind him, as if it had feelings, and left her alone with the beetle. She reached out her finger to touch it. All, she heard him say from the hall, all. Until now, Marjorie hadn't shared her father's love of insects. He was often in the garden with a sweep net, but it was more the sort of thing that he would have done with her brothers. Yet as her finger met the golden beetle, something happened. A spark seemed to fly out and her future opened. She went hot and cold. She would find the beetle. It was that simple. She would go to wherever New Caledonia was and bring it home. She actually felt struck as if the top of her head had been knocked off. Already she could see herself leading the way on a mule while an assistant carried her bags at the rear. But when the Reverend to Tobias Benson returned, he didn't seem to remember anything about the beetle, let alone Marjorie. He walked slowly to the desk and rifled through papers, picking them up and putting them down as if none of them were the things they should have been. He lifted a paperweight, then a pen, and afterwards he stowed the paperweight back where the pen had been, while the pen seemed to have no clue about. It was possible he had completely forgotten what a pen was for. He just stared while tears fell from his eyes like string. All of them, he said. What? All? He took something from the drawer and stepped through the French windows, and before she realised what had happened, he'd shot himself. Well, there's an opening chapter, if ever there was one. And so the story begins, the story of her upbringing from a young child, from the devastation she felt after this opening chapter, and how she realised her life would never be the same again. And it goes from there into obviously all sorts of other areas with her. And it's fascinating. It's quite a it's quite a good read. It's quite a good read. It's not my normal thriller type killer murder, you know, type of book. It's it's something a little bit unique and something a bit different. So I recommend it highly. Miss Benson's Beetle. It's been a bit of a bestseller in the UK and it is understandably so. And I will talk to you more about her the author, and other books she's written in due course. But for the moment, this is Luby with Luby's Lullabies podcast. And thank you for listening today.